I'm creative business coach Anastasia Williams, and you are listening to Making Magic, a podcast for fiber artists, makers, and creatives who are looking to craft a business with intention. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode one. We have made it. I have been steadily resisting putting a podcast out into the universe because I'm afraid. Um, And we all deal with this, right? But I've decided to push forward because I have too many ideas that I just need to get out. And I also know that having the space for you will be super helpful to you on your business journey. I want to lay out this podcast very specifically and with three different types of episodes that I have very much enjoyed on other shows and also types that my lovely Instagram followers voted on. Um, So these three types are going to be one, solo episodes, which is where I hop on and I cover a specific topic more in depth, which is myself and yourself. Two, the very famously popular interview episodes, which we see rampantly on podcasts these days, where I would bring on a guest who has a specific type of either specialty or expertise when it comes to the coaching world, business world, marketing world. And three, coaching episodes. So this is where I would have a current business owner join me on the microphone and we would have a discussion as if we were talking on a coaching call. So this will give you an idea of what one-on-one coaching feels like, but then also will be full of both ideas and very relatable situations. The other thing that I do wanna mention before I get into everything is that I I'm going to be focusing largely on fiber arts and makers and things like that. The one thing that I will say is that even though you're going to hear a lot of examples about knitting or crocheting or yarn and those types of activities, that these tips and ideas are good for any kind of business. Um, I really like to focus on all creative businesses it's just that the majority of my audience happens to be people who are fiber artists and since that market is a little bit empty um, it's helpful to have examples for those specific type of businesses for that reason so you'll just have to kind of take the examples that i give and tweak them to fit your personal situation so just hold on don't give up these can be helpful for you even if you're not technically what i would refer to as a yarny So, first episode. First episodes are quite a bit of pressure, aren't they? So there are so many possible subjects to tackle, but the first one, in my opinion, really needs to be foundational. So I'm going to start with a quick introduction of myself and then move into the content for today. My name is Anastasia. I live in the middle of nowhere, South Dakota, with my husband, Tommy, and my one-year-old son, Fox. We have a lot of animals uh, for two reasons. One, I have a problem of wanting a lot of animals. And two, I'm a wildlife rehabilitator. Um, I specialize in birds mostly, which I think I have around 10 in my possession at the moment. But there is the odd small mammal every now and again, which, you know, we're thinking things like bunnies and squirrels and the like. Um, 
More importantly, and relevant to this podcast, I'm a creative business coach. My focus is on helping newer creative business owners find sustainability and confidence in their work. I realize that sounds super generic, but it's true. About 99.999% of the people who come to me for coaching are looking for a way to feel more grounded in what they do. So in non-fluffy terms, that basically means sorting out their ideas so they actually know what it is they're selling. And then they're also looking for support to help them show up in the world and actually tell other people about what they have to offer. Uh, It's sad but amazing to kind of see how fear can hold us all back in our own ways, but even more amazing to see what just a little bit of support and encouragement can do to flip that fear on its head. Now with introductions out of the way, let's go ahead and get into the content for today. The most important thing I think you can do for yourself is to take some time to figure out your why. If you're automatically thinking that it seems pretty easy to answer, why do you do what you do? Then I'm going to challenge you to dig a little bit deeper. When I work with my clients, I always frame this as a two-part question because there are really two whys in your business. There is your internal why and your external why, and they are definitely different. So if we start with the internal why, I say internal because everyone has some self-serving reason why they have started their business. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm going to say that again. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. We all seem to have been conditioned to believe that addressing our own needs is a selfish and negative thing. When really it's super important, it's really important to be able to shed light on your own motivations so that you know how you can guide your business in a direction that's going to meet your goals. So if you're looking at some examples of internal whys, it might be something like providing for your family, replacing your income, building a supplemental income, paying off debt. And that's kind of the money side of it, which we cannot deny the money side of it because that is what a business revolves around. But you may have alternate motivations as well, such as a need for a creative outlet or as one very astute business owner once admitted on a call, a need for affirmation. For some of those intrinsic things that we need to receive, we can build our business in a way that ticks those boxes off for ourselves so we can create something that truly fulfills us. If this was something that you were wanting to explore a little bit deeper, the homework assignment that I would give you is to create yourself a vision board that represents what sort of life you want that business to create for you and how you will feel overall once you're in the thick of it. So that means that you've ultimately hit all your goals and you're juggling all the responsibilities of your life simultaneously. Me personally, I'm a very visual person, so I love a good vision board, though I'm also somebody who hates magazines lying all over the place, so I don't make them physically myself. You absolutely can, of course, or you could switch over to something virtual, such as a Pinterest board. Um, This is probably not the only time you're going to hear me recommend making a Pinterest board, by the way. But if you're not a visual person, you can certainly write out your goals um, and intentions for your business. Yes, we are diving a little bit into some manifestation and law of attraction stuff here, but I mean, why not? There is some science behind 
you know, putting those things out into the world and sticking them into your subconscious a little bit. Getting clear on your vision for your life as a business owner is a great thing to do. And it's going to do the same as a vision board. It's going to put it into the universe and then also into your subconscious so that you can actively work towards those goals. I've seen some coaching blogs stop right there. So figure out what drives you and be done. But this is absolutely not best practice because your business cannot be all about you. The minute you start to focus only on yourself is the minute you will start to struggle to connect with your audience. And we don't want to struggle to connect with our audience because they are the ones who pay us. And this is what brings us to the second part of the why, the external part. Now this part isn't quite as simple, but it's almost more important because if you've ever seen Simon Sinek's TED Talk, which I will link to in the show notes if you haven't seen it, and you really should, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And they buy really why you do it for them mostly, and I'll explain that. There are a couple of things at play here. The biggest thing is what do you believe that ultimately drives your business? Think about how you do what you do to dig a little bit deeper into this. Using myself as an example, so prior to being a business coach, I used to sell naturally dyed yarn. That means that I would source pure wool yarn that I could trace back to the farm that it came from, and I would dye it with sustainably foraged or harvested plants and minerals. Why did I do this? For one, I believe that climate change is real and upon us and anything that we as humans can do to slow this down or by some miracle reverse it is a positive thing. So this is a progress over perfection thing, of course, because most of us were not brought up to live sustainably as evidenced by my grandmother's microwave cookbook that includes loads of processed foods developed from the science food era of the 20th century. Anyway, the idea is that I, as a knitter and a maker, believe that I should be doing my part to balance my hobby with sustainable practices. And at that time, I was having a hard time finding anyone who did this where I could just purchase the yarn rather than selling it myself. But I have an ever-present entrepreneurial spirit, likely due to my own desire for personal affirmation, so I was happy to take on this challenge myself. My belief remained the same throughout the course of my business. My practices that I incorporated were aligned with that. I had minimal water use, recycled water use, recycled dye materials, foraging my own dyes, making my own mordants, and so on and so on. And as time went on, I expanded on this as I learned more. I researched my sources. I reached out to local farms. I went to the farms and met the sheep and showed up on shearing day to pick out the fleeces myself. I then took them to a local mill rather than having them shipped off to a bigger facility to reduce my carbon footprint. So the whole ethos of my business was around supporting local and reducing waste. And it took some serious education of some of my customers to help them see this vision. But the customers I did have, they were loyal, they bought for me time and time again, and I would absolutely consider them friends to this day. Which leads me to the second part of this. How does your customer want to feel? This will come up again in the ideal customer section that we will inevitably tackle, which I know, I know, we all hate doing it, but I'm telling you it is essential. Anyway, so think about your last few purchases that you made that were not 
basic needs items, though basic need items could fit into this category, but think about why you made that purchase from that store or brand and how that made you feel. So let me give you another one of my examples. My lovely pain in the tuchus Quaker parrot Chewy got a hold of my cell phone case and took some serious chunks out of it. It was years old anyway, so the time was nigh for a new one, but there was one brand, and this is not an ad, by the way, this is just my opinion, that I went for right away, and that was Pella Case. So if you've never heard of them, they make 100% compostable phone cases um, that allegedly you can you know, throw them in your compost or your yard, and six months later, they'll be dust. Um, and then they also will recycle your own plastic phone case for you. And the cases are ethically produced and they actually do a pretty good job of absorbing shock upon dropping the phone, which I know because I'm an avid phone dropper and my old case was a Pella as well. Um, and then the specific case that I got this time also has a pocket for a credit card to be held, which solves a problem for me as I hate carrying around a purse, but I always forget my cards in my pockets and then change pants or coats and then can't find them. But more specifically, the purchase of the case helps me feel the way I want to feel, right? I want to be that person that makes positive choices for the environment. I want to be the person that supports ethical production of products that I consume. And therefore, I want to be the person that cares about the human rights of the workers that produce it. So think about that for a second. What is it that you believe about your product and what it can do for someone? And how does that belief help your customers feel the way they want to feel? And if you've seen Simon Sinek's TED Talk, again, you really should, then you'll know that the part of the brain that controls emotion is also the part of the brain that makes decisions. And it doesn't have any concept of language. This means that the emotions that your product or service produces and the way that you present and sell it really is what will ultimately pull your customers closer to making that decision to purchase. To use another example, let's think of maybe a business where you are helping parents train their kid to sleep through the night. There are a few different affirmations that your product is telling the customer, which is the parent, so you are basically allowing the parent to say to themselves, I am both investing in the quality of my children's sleep because I'm a good mother, but I'm also investing in the quality of my own sleep because I know that if I'm getting enough sleep, I can be the best mother for my children. So I am making this purchase so I can prioritize myself in order to prioritize my children. And you can see how that why starts to really grow into almost a belief system that your customer will hold once they walk away from you. A lot of it, of course, is very much so internal and subtle. So it's not necessarily an active thought, but one that lives in our subconscious, but it's still a truth that they believe. That being said, I would encourage you to start to think about your own purchases going forward and what those are reaffirming for you so that you can start being intentional with how you want your customers to feel once they make a purchase. If you're wondering if this treads into the territory of manipulation, I understand that. 
Marketing in general tends to make us feel icky because the idea of selling has been done so poorly in the past that we fear doing it that way ourselves. However, bear in mind that your selling, in air quotes here, is a manifestation of how you feel about what you sell. And because you really believe in it, then you're not doing anything sleazy or disgusting or manipulative. The way that I think about it is this. So you have this amazing product or service and you've put your heart and your soul into it and you've worked so hard and you stand by it. And it could really solve a problem for someone or fill a need that they have, such as the need to feel a certain way. Ask yourself, are you doing a disservice to others by not giving them access to it or even letting them know about it? So that's just something to think about. And that wraps up our very first episode. I will link to the different things I reference in the show notes, which will be hosted on my website at www.williamsanastasia.com. If you want to connect further with me, I'm the most active on Instagram. And my username is at williamsanastasia underscore. Unfortunately, having Williams for a last name comes with unique challenges when it comes to finding good usernames. But I want to thank you for listening today and ask that if this resonated with you at all, please either leave a review or share with a friend who could use this information as this will boost the visibility of the podcast overall. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.